Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Engage Church Podcast. Uh, My name is Brett. I'm so excited that you're along for the ride with us. Uh, Buckle up. Here we go. Brave face, game face. Daniel chapter one. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Uh, We're turning the corner on brave face, game face. Week four of five. Uh, So if you did enjoy it, we're almost done. If you loved it, I'm so sorry. Daniel chapter 1, verse 20. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Now this, of course, is talking about Daniel and his three compadres, his colleagues, his bros, his crew, his squad, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these guys, these four guys together were taken captive uh, by the king of Babylon. Their nation was conquered. They were brought in on a full-ride scholarship three years to learn and study, live in the king's palace, eat from the king's table, and and become the best and the brightest in the nation of Babylon. They rose above the ranks, and they did it while not compromising their identity. Though they tried to change their names and, and speak a new identity, into them, they did not embrace it. We know that because Daniel wrote this book, and every time he writes their names, he does not use their Babylonian names. He does not listen to that voice that says, I'm going to shape your identity. The second thing that we've learned, we've gleaned, we understood that they did is they did not compromise their standards. The king said, you can just eat all this food. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. It's like the most incredible like buffet that you've ever seen in your life. And they said, yeah, we can't eat that. We're going to eat vegetables. And just live that way because all of this food is sacrificed to another God. And if I eat this, it means I'm relying on the king and your gods and not my God. It means I'm doing something to separate us from God. And we're not interested in doing that. Because they lived their lives in those ways. When it came for graduation day, the king found them ten times more capable than any other advisor in his entire kingdom. Ten times more capable. That's an unbelievable Number. So we talked about last week about some clickbait, and I'm going to just pick up where we left off last week. Clickbait is that stuff that writes those articles, the top three ways to lose weight in 17 minutes. You see those articles on Facebook, you're like, I'm in. <laughs> you read it, and you're like, number one, eat less. <laughs> okay, great. Number two, exercise more. Number three, get a good night rest. And you're like, this is the worst article I've ever read. Uh, but that's what clickbait is. It drags you in and it tells you and promises you all these things and it delivers on nothing just so they can sell you advertising. But today I want to offer you some clickbait that actually pays off how to 10 times your life. And we do that by taking off our brave face and putting on our game face. Our brave face is that face that we put on when we are pretending. It's the face that we put on when we walk out the door and we say, this is who I want you to think that I am. We do it to protect ourselves. We do it to make sure that we look okay. We do it because we're ignoring the things that are going on inside of us and we just want everything to be all right. We do it because we want to fit in. We do it because we want to be normal. And we think it's going to bring us closer to people, but in the end it distances us from everybody because we create this gap in this space because the only thing worse than people knowing what we're really like is them realizing that that we've been lying to them this entire time. So it actually causes us to withdraw and it causes us to put space between us and Jesus because we're like, Jesus, you can help me and you can fix me in every other area except for these because if I acknowledge these, 
then they're real. Our game face is not a mask at all. It's what happens when we take off the brave face where we stand exposed, raw. (laughs) We stand in the light of everything that's going on in our lives, in in the midst of our circumstance, in the midst of our pain, and we say, you know what? No matter what's going on, I don't have to be worried. I don't have to be worried. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to. I don't have to put a mask on. I don't have to do any of that because I'm following Jesus. And if I'm following Jesus one step at a time, my steps are order of the Lord. And even though I may stumble, I will not fall. Game face says I can take whatever's coming at me, not because I'm prepared for it, but because I'm walking with the one who is. My game face is, it doesn't matter what you throw at me. It doesn't matter what my life circumstance may be. It may not matter, even matter what my, my best idea would be for this outcome in my life. The truth is, as long as I'm with Jesus, I'm okay. And as long as I'm with Jesus, he's transforming me and he's refining me uh, like gold melted in a fire. He's taking away all the imperfections and all the impurities and all those things that we feel like we need to hide or sweep under the rug. If we would just let Jesus come in, he will come and bring healing and hope and life and resurrection power into those areas if you would give him the room to work. That's what it means to put the game face on. I believe that the reason why these advisors were 10 times more capable than anyone else is because they put their game face on. They would not let anybody else shape their identity. They said the only person that gets to shape our identity is the person who knit us together in our mother's womb, and his name is Jesus. First way we can put on that game face and we can 10 times our life. If you're in the 12 o'clock, you, you got this a little bit more last week, but I wanted to just make sure I doubled down on this week, is you need to know who you are following. You got to know who you are following. If you're going to 10 times your life, you're going to put the game face on, you got to know who you are following. Joshua chapter 5. Now this moment in Joshua is the moment just before the nation of Israel is about to cross into the promised land. So you may remember that to get out of Egypt, God parted the sea, right? Does anyone, does anyone remember this story? If you don't, it's okay. If you're, if you're new to all of this, that's totally fine. What happened was Israel was slaves for hundreds of years. They finally got to, to run away. They ran away. Pharaoh and his army was chasing them with their chariots. God parted the sea. When they thought there was no way, God made a way. He parted it. They walked across it. The moment that they got across and the Egyptians entered, God caused all the water to flood back in and kill all the army in one fell swoop. For the Israelites to find freedom, to find that next series of their life, the next phase of their life, God had to do a miracle. He had to part the Red Sea. Now, here's the amazing thing. For God to enter the promised land after they wandered around the desert for 40 years, he had to do it again. Sometimes we forget that God didn't just do it once. But what we know about Jesus, if he did it once, is he can do it again. And so for them to enter the promised land, he had to help them cross the Jordan River. And so he parted the waters. And they were able to walk from the desert into the promised land. Now, this is what happens in Joshua 5.1, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. So everybody else heard the rumors. You see, they have all heard of stories a generation ago of 40 years or some ago of this people who had God had 
parted the sea. They said, that's an old wives' tale. That's an old story. That's an old legend. There's no way that's true. These people are wandering around the desert. There's no way God could do that. Well, they were shaking in their boots when God did it a second time so that these people could start coming to possess these kings' land. Did you know that oftentimes the things that happen in your life that are miraculous, that you view as, oh, well, I guess God just did it again, somebody else views as overwhelmingly unbelievable? Oftentimes, we downplay the very work that God is doing in our lives because we become so accustomed to the goodness of God that we actually forget how amazing it is. And we begin to take it for granted. We go, oh, well, yeah, yes. I mean, has God done anything for you? No. He does all this stuff for these other people. Didn't, like, he, like, literally, like, heal you when you broke your ankle? Yeah, but that was like a long time ago, and I'm not even sure that it was real. Well, you were sure of it at the time. The only thing that's changed is some distance and some time, and you reflected on it. But everyone else around is like, man, look at all these unbelievable things. And it wasn't the Christians or the believers that were overwhelmed and had faith in God. Uh, So when we were looking for a building, this building, uh, I was freaking out (laughs) a lot uh, because... The movie theater had ended our lease. We started the movie theater, and we had nowhere to go. We tried to go to a warehouse. I started World War III with the city of Spruce Grove uh, trying to get zoning, and a weird idea popped up. Uh, A friend of mine told me that there might be an opportunity to go to the River Cree Casino and take over one of those their tents, 500-seat tent, and moved the church there. And I remember talking to my dad about it. He's like, well, we'll just see what happens. I was like, wow, I can't believe you didn't shut this down automatically. Um, and I was like, okay, well, we'll start talking. So I made a few phone calls. Nobody really knows this. We, I made a few phone calls. There's going to be like, they're going to pay for childcare for like four hours a time. It was this crazy kind of weird time in my life where I was negotiating with the casino to put a church in. And, um, but ultimately they came back to us and the, the chief said, No, we don't want you to put the church here because we believe that it's going to affect our clientele. We believe that if we put this church here, the people are going to gamble less. And so we've decided that we don't want you to take it over. Now, here's the thing. They have more faith than I did. They're like, oh, if we put this church here, people's lives will be transformed. And I'm like, how am I going to fill a 500-seat tent? They're like, they will transform this casino and shut us down. I'm like, are 200 people going to show up? I don't even know. But we, we discount so much the goodness of God, the power of God in our lives. I just need to remind you who you're following. You're following Jesus. And if you follow Jesus one step at a time, when there is no way, like a river in the way, Jesus makes a way. He's done it once. He can do it again. He's done it once. He can do it again. If he's done it for you one time, don't forget those moments. Don't begin to write off those things and those stories, those things that you've happened to. You're like, maybe it wasn't real. Maybe it was, but the father of all lies, Satan, the deceptor, who comes as an angel of light, is maybe perverting the good things that God has done, twisting them, changing them, so that you forget who you're following. If you want to ten times your life, just remember who you're following. You know why? You walk a little taller. You walk a little braver. The Israelites, they rolled in, and people were paralyzed with fear when they rolled in. But they had no idea of that. Later, they just started squandering away all of the goodness of God. Once again, it's because it's our human nature. God does something. It's amazing for a minute. And then we go, 
well, where's God now? What have you done for me lately? Well, when did you thank him lately? <laughs> Remember who you're following. Number two, be honest. You want it 10 times your life? Be honest. To paint the picture for you in Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream that troubles him deeply. The thing that troubled him as much as that dream was the fact that there was a, lot, a high amount of BS flowing from his advisors. They were blowing smoke out of every ear and, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't going to say orifice because that's a gross word. Thanks, Seb. Uh, so King Nebuchadnezzar, he's frustrated. He's angry with his visors because all they do is tell him what he wants to hear. All they do is try and manipulate him for their own personal gain. And he's smart enough to understand that that's happening. So he has this dream. It rattles him to the core. He calls him and he says, okay, everybody, here's what we're going to do. Top advisors, you come in. Uh, I, today, I don't want you just to interpret my dream. I want you to tell me my dream and then interpret it. And they're like, Nope, we can't do that. That's not even a thing. And they literally tell him in Daniel chapter 2, listen, this is a request that no king has ever made. He's like, I don't care. I want you to tell me my dream, and then I want you to interpret it. They're like, we can't do it. He's like, that's fine. Then use gots to go. And he just orders that every wise man in the nation be killed. Simple. We'll just eliminate, like cost savings, we'll just eliminate a whole level of bureaucracy. Every middle manager is gone. Gone. But Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, get word of this. Daniel says, hold on, ask the king to give me one more day. Now, Daniel wasn't present when the king made this request because Daniel and his the boys had just graduated, new, new graduates. So they weren't involved in that high-end, top-level meeting. But he requests a moment with the king. He says, king, just give me one more day, and I'll, we'll figure this out for you. The king says, sure, I'll give you one more day. Because remember, Daniel's ten times more capable than anybody else. And he was the only person who was brave enough to say, I'll get you an answer. Just give me a little bit more time instead of, no, we could never give you an answer. This is the worst request ever. So Daniel goes back. They start praying. They pray all night. Daniel gets a vision in the night. The Lord actually shows him the dream, shows him the interpretation of it. He wakes up the next morning. He says, okay, take me to the king. He goes to the king. But before any of that happens, Daniel wakes up and starts singing this praise song. I'll just read it to you. Then Daniel went home, told his friends Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Honesty is refreshing. Proverbs uh, 24 says this way, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lip. It's refreshing. It's like, whew, get energized. It brings this new life, this refreshing. Honesty is refreshing. It's, it's refreshing uh, when you go before a king who's used to everyone manipulating him. And you say, okay, here's the honest truth. But the other secret, the other part of this honesty question, we spent a lot of time on it last week. The flip side of it is that the, the, Daniel was honest when it was most important. The moment God revealed that thing to him, he started saying, Praise the name of the Lord our God. And he literally sings a whole song praising God. Because Daniel was aware that it was not his gift, it was not his ability, it was not his talent, it was not him. It was 
always only Jesus. He was honest to understand that though he was gifted in one way, that God had called him, crafted him, created him to do that one thing, that it wasn't him. It was Jesus. How many times, I wonder, have we taken credit for God doing something in our lives as if we did it? And then we wonder later, we go, was that really God? Was it him? Was it him? Was it really him? Well, we distorted our memory because we took it all on ourselves as it was something that we did. We told that story, bought into it, believed it. And then when it comes back around to another difficult, hard moment, we're like, who did that again? Was that me? I don't think I can do this again. No, you didn't do it in the first place. So the reason why we, we get some difficulty when it's to believe that God could do something the next time is because we've been dishonest about who did it in the first place. How do we 10 times our life? We put, we know who we're following and we're honest about who we're following and about what he's doing in our lives. We're giving him the glory, the honor, and the praise. And we know that his grace is all we need, as it says in Second uh, Corinthians 12, that his power works best in our weakness. You think that you got to be puffed up and strong. No, that's the brave face, just a different mask coming back. That's the brave face that says, I'm strong, I'm tough, I'm amazing, look at what I can do. Now, take that one off too. Just, just be you and say, listen, it's always only Jesus. It's always only Jesus. How did you get here? How did you do this? I don't know. It's Jesus. And you're like, oh, well, this is a self-deprecating thing. No, no, no. It is an amazing, miraculous thing that God loves you and he loves me so much that he cares about the small things, the little things, the details, the the minutiae. I'm running out of time. Number three, don't don't come up. Sit down. Jesus. (laughs) Number three is this. Take Jesus to work. Take Jesus to work. Did anyone go to work with your parents? Anyone ever go to work with your parents, take your kids to work day? I remember going with my dad. I've taken Everett to City Hall when I worked at City Hall. I'm pretty sure that... Everett is convinced the only thing that gets done at City Hall is copious amounts of juice being drank because there's a fridge that he knows where to get the juice from. He gets to sit in the windows, and he gets to run down massive, long, empty hallways. So he's like, I think people just run and drink juice at City Hall. Like, Grandma's work is people running and drinking juice in offices. Like, that's, that's life. Have you ever noticed that uh, most of the Bible doesn't happen in church. Anyone ever notice that? Like the miracles of Jesus, most of them happen like on the way to church or away from church or running away from people that were going to kill him, even though he wasn't running. He's like, come at me. I'm Jesus. Um, but most of the Bible doesn't happen in church. Even this narrative with Daniel doesn't happen at church. There's no church to be had because he was living in enemy territory who did not recognize his God. This account happens at work. Daniel works somewhere. His upper bosses, his managers got in trouble because they couldn't be honest. They couldn't answer the question. So Daniel has a tough day at the office where he learned that because of a bad decision of his boss, he was about to lose his life. So he begins to meet with his guys, pray. God gives him a miracle. And he takes Jesus to work with him that day. 
The next day, he just packs up his lunch, makes a bag. He's like, guys, I'll be back later. He's like, they're going to kill us all. He's like, nah, Jesus gave us an answer. And he walks into the office and says, hey, I got the answer for you. But when he meets the king, he says, no, 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 it's not me. There's not a human being on earth who could answer this question, but there's a God in heaven who can't. So my challenge for us to 10 times our life is to take Jesus to work. I have a friend. He went to work. He was doing uh, T-bars and uh, steel studs and all that kind of stuff. And they have to hang these hangers into the roof. You know those things? I don't know. I don't know them. I'm terrible at construction. But he told me the story, and I was blown away. So they had to hang these hangers. And they were building uh, this building uh, just over here. And they're putting the hangers in the roof, and none of them are sticking. And they're getting paid by piece, and they're getting paid. So, like, they're freaking out because they would have lost a whole day's work because they can't get these hangers to stick. And his boss is freaking out. This has never happened to him before. So he says, can I just, can I pray? And they're like, okay, buddy. Like, like hardcore construction site, like, and, like, the hardest of core because this crew is, like, all ex-cons. So, and I'm not exaggerating any details of the story. Um, that would be the nice way of putting it. So they're like, okay, bud. So he prays, and he says, okay, try one. And they're like, all right. <laughs> it's stuck. And they're like, uh, okay. So they're about to do another one. He's like, hold on. You want me to pray again? They're like, all right. <laughs> it sticks. They're a little rattled by this. So... He makes a deal with him. He says, okay, I'll, do, I'll pray again. And if it happens one more time, you will come to church with me. And they're like, all right. So he's like, but we also have to test that they, they can bear weight. He says, fine, you can test them. So he prays. <laughs> Next one sticks. So the guy, normally you just tug on him. This guy started doing pull-ups <laughs> off of the bars. And he is rattled. It, it blows his mind. It boggles his mind. He's like, they're not this strong. They shouldn't be sticking in the roof like this. So they went and did 21 more. And each time he would pray and then they would shoot and he would pray and they would shoot. He just took Jesus to work with him. It's, it's what I like to call church in the wild. It's like we live our whole lives leaving Jesus in, this four, in these four walls, literally. We're like, I come to do Jesus on Sunday and then I go home. I just wonder what might happen in your family, at your job, like in, in, in the community. If you brought Jesus to shovel snow with you and if you brought Jesus to go to the office with you I just wonder what might happen if you're in the boardroom and nobody else can solve this problem you're like hold on I've got the answer you know like or take a moment to sleep on it and come back with the idea that Jesus had like I just wonder what might happen if for like one week we decided to actually take Jesus outside of church with us it's just an idea it's just a thought I mean you could leave him inside and we know how that's going for some of us, it's going all right, but it could go incredibly better. Is it? I mean, so we believe that Jesus can heal bodies, right? And so we'll pray for the people that are sick, but most times we wait until the miracle preacher comes through to get prayer because we need the human, not the Jesus who gives the human the ability, right? I just wonder what could happen if we stop defining Jesus by this building, By the way, that story, you're like, that's just a nice preacher story. No, it happened to our friend Craig who got baptized here in September yeah. in a building down the road. 
So this isn't a story that a preacher tells on a Sunday that nobody knows who they are, nobody knows where existed, that you pick up in a book somewhere. That's a story, and I asked his permission to share it, because this isn't about propping up Craig, but this is literally about us understanding what can happen when you have a raw faith that says, Jesus is enough, I know who I'm following, and I'm honest about what God is doing in my life and what God can do and what God wants to do. Jesus wants to do more than you could ever ask, hope, imagine, or dream. Did you know that Jesus was known as the friend of sinners? Because when he came, he just hung out with people that other people uh, thought were scum. This is what it says in, in Luke 5. The Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? Now, the ironic thing about this is that they were all at the same party. They went to a party at a tax collector's house. The Pharisees, who were the religious leaders at the time, started pulling aside the disciples and were like, hey, these people are the worst. Why does Jesus come to these parties and talk to these people? And if I'm a disciple, I'd be like, why do you come to these parties and hang out with these people? They're like, they are such scum. The reason they came to those parties was to assert their moral authority over them to show how much better they were than everyone else. They came to live a double life that said, I'm, I'm, I'm this awesome guy over here, but I do this business over here because Jesus wasn't working in their life. He, they left him at the temple. They didn't bring him to the party. Jesus brought himself to the party says i'm here in the midst of you right now because healthy people need a doctor not or sick people need a hot i can't read this healthy sick people need a doctor healthy people do not what could happen in your life in your job in your community in your neighborhood if we took the brave face off because part of the brave face is god i don't need you i can do this myself Part of the brave face is, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm not like a weird one who actually believes in Jesus. That's the other part of the brave face, right? I, what might happen? I've been overwhelmed by some of the stories, Facebook posts, Instagram posts, stuff that's been happening as a result of this series of people deciding to take off the brave face and to walk and follow Jesus. I've been overwhelmed by the stories. I'm not going to share any of them because most of them are very personal. But taking off the mask is the first step. The second step is saying, no matter what, I'm walking with and I'm following Jesus every step of the way. say thanks for taking a moment out of your day to listen to brave face game face that was week four a message called take jesus to work take jesus to work thank you for listening remember you can get caught up on itunes soundcloud of course you already know that because you're listening to this right now if you want to learn more about engage church up in canada engagechurch.ca have a great day everybody and we'll see you next week right here on the engage city church podcast